Nosotros queremos construir el socialismo. Nos hemos declarado partidarios de los que luchan por la paz. Nos hemos declarado dentro del grupo de países no alineados, a pesar de ser marxistas-leninistas, porque los no alineados como nosotros luchan contra el imperialismo. Queremos paz. Hello and welcome back to episode 11 of Rebel Radio. I am Ram. And I'm James, drink the bottle. Into your bottle, good man. Um, as promised, the final whistle is currently 1957 in time, known actual years. Um, the game finished about a minute and a half ago. So we, we promised that we would be here immediately after the PSG game. And we all come here, but I think the circumstances are slightly different <laughs> to what we, thought, <laughs> what we thought it might have been. Well, I don't know. We'll, come, we'll, we'll talk it over. How's your week been? Uh, busy. I ventured out of the social, the small bu- bubble of Oxford and visited a pal in London. So that was nice. Good. And I successfully made it through the train station in Oxford to his front door without touching a single surface. With my, bare, with my bare hands. Good. Good. Thanks for that. There we are. Clearly, <laughs> just to clarify, I didn't float there. Good. Um, uh, I never good. done much either, mate. I had uh, had some stuff to do at work last week that led through right into Friday night. So, uh, going away on Thursday, taking a wee trip to a foreign land. But um, we'll discuss that next week on well, next week's show. Um, okay, should we should we start off with a wee bit of triv- trivia? A wee bit of trivia. It's my turn to distribute the question this week. So, the fastest Celtic goal was scored after 12.2 seconds. Who scored that? And against who? There's two contenders here. I think it's Chris Commons. And I think it was against... That's Tony Stokes. And I think it was against... Aberdeen. I'll go with Commons. Stokes against Aberdeen. Stokes against Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, it's Commons. Get up, you. Yeah. <laughs> against two. Uh, Aberdeen. You get half a point, mate. <sighs> oh, well, you should have it. said or. Swing and a miss. You should have said or. Anyway, put my ball road in. No, it's because I was drinking my ball road. I'll put my ball road in. Um, oh, that's an international signal for you mean business. This is how people get beat at FIFA and they sit forward. Ah, uh, that's it. Like, right, um... Aye, well, okay. I'm still, I'm still, I'm lucky, I'm still running a train on you anyway. I'm still uh, mm. decimating you in the scoreboards. And to be honest with you, I'm quite disappointed in myself for that because I said I got that. I watched that game quite recently. Um, but oh, well, it's life. You can't carry win them all. And uh, we'll move on to the next segment then. So, <laughs> will we stay on to the news? Uh, yes. I think we should because we've got Hannah's to talk about this week. For the first time ever, you'll get to hear us talk nonsense about games that Celtic have played actual football um, games well, I'm going to start off a, a piece of news I don't know if anybody knows this actually it's, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty big did Insider. you know that it's, did you know that Celtic players stayed in a hotel in the Eiffel Tower this week I did not know that no um, I just thought that was a takeover from a for the Parisian tourist board on my Instagram no um, I don't know if they were I don't know maybe they just have a green screen outside the rooms but um, I I counted 17 Instagram stories. Mate, I had six in a row at one point. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, right, that's enough. Um, okay, so apart from that, there's not really been a great deal of news, isn't there? No, there has not. It's, it's gone a bit quiet. And I think any of the news that's been on, it's just been focusing on the, the boys being back and actually playing in the games. There's been a couple of uh, rumours that I think we should maybe talk about. First and foremost being uh, the goalkeeper situation. Right now, um, obviously, Lenny spoke on the situation with Foster on Friday night after the Nice game, and he said that the door won't be open forever. Can I echo the stuff he'd said earlier in the month? The door won't be open forever. That at some point or another, going to look for Foster to make a decision, but he did say that he was a bit surprised at where he's found himself in because I think based on what Lennon was saying, that he was anticipating the problems getting that deal done, being with. Southampton, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, or be, be even more well, because I know wanting to pay the money or pay a 
a fee for a loan. I don't know what it would be. But it looks as if the actual issues came from Foster, who I think Lenny believes has expressed his willingness in the past to come back up the road. So, um, no further progress in that one, really, is there? Nah. Um, again, we've covered it relatively extensively. There must, there's got to be something else. On it. He must have something else on the cards, or his agent thinks he'll have something, a better offer, because he would not be holding out for any other reason. Do you think, um, do you, how long do you think we'll wait? Well, I don't know, mate. It's the league starts next Saturday. I think we're all right to start the league with being in goals, but we can't feasibly go into European competition with Scott Bain, unfortunately. I don't think. Um, and again, it'd be unfair to just buy a keeper, have him train for a week, and then be like, right, and you get. Especially if he's coming from a different league. Mm-hmm. Might not speak any, any language, might not know any of the players personally, might not have played them before or anything. So I think that'd be a big ask for for a new goalie to come in and just perform. I think uh, probably the most straightforward would be David Marshall. If if the club were kinda of getting out there and looking for a keeper with a decent pedigree, um, you know, then then that knows the place and that knows the importance of what's ahead, then I, I think David Marshall would probably be the uh, the safe bet. I think Joe Hart's a bit of an enigma. Joe Keeper we've been linked to. Yeah. Um and there's obviously a couple more. Um Freddie Woodman, uh, the young keeper I think it's at Swansea. Um, like that. But also um Hladsky, the goalkeeper who was just who's just left St. Mirren. He's been linked to a move back to Legia Warsaw, but he's somebody that's been linked with with, with Celtic now. If Celtic were to go out and get Davy Marshall and, and Latchkey, then I would be delighted with that. Um, that would that would no make up for it, but that would be a big a big step forward because Marshall's never, as far as I know, you know, apart from that night, apart from that night <laughs> in Barcelona, he's not going to be a you know, he's not going to be a Fraser Foster. He's not going to single handedly keep you in games, but he's solid. He's consistent, and I think that's uh, that's that's progress for where we're at the minute. I, I, I don't know, I think goalkeepers are overlooked a lot, I think, because you need a goalkeeper that would win you, I don't know, maybe eight, nine points a season. Mm-hmm. And I think Foster was good for that. Um, Boric was brilliant for that as well. When you were under the cosh, you would keep a keep a clean sheet where you might have may, uh, suffered a, a draw. Because dropping two points is that's a big... And they add up quite. They add up really quickly. If you let teams back in it when you've been snoozing, so I, I think I would, I would be relatively happy with David Marshall. I would want somebody a wee bit younger, to be honest. But if we're getting them at a, a cut price or on a free, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think it's just for me. It's just next season, isn't it? Like you don't want to, you don't want no plan for the future. But goalkeeper is one of the positions that. You know, we just need something steady for a year and then we can assess the market. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if it's not going to be faster, then I would suggest for myself that the next best next best thing would be Marshall, but here you go. Aye, because I don't trust Joe Hart as far as I could throw him, man. Well, a couple of, not a couple, couple of quick other pieces of signing news then. We'll move on to the three games uh, for last week. Um, Rumours that Nick, Nicky Hammond or Nick Hammond, um, was your how he goes um, you'll know the football manager oh, hey. um, he wants he, he was away watching David Turnbull the other night again did you see that I, did, I read um, multiple people sources on Twitter saying that apparently he was at that game but he could be he could be watching the other lad as well been linked with the other centre mid um, Gallagher is it Gallagher oh, yeah, Gallagher's at Campbell Campbell sorry you're right aye been linked with him as well he'd done no bad season so it could have been having a look at either one of them or both to be honest mm. but um, I, I don't know the boys been out for that long I've almost forgotten how good or bad a football player he was to be honest so the same and, and you know it's one of these situations for me where I don't know how far forward Turnbull can play if he can play as a centre forward then he's worth bringing in but if he's another central attacking midfielder is he going to get a game ahead of Rogic, Christian and Cham, which is where Lenny likes to play him? I'm open to the idea of him coming in. I think he offers us something different. He's powerful. I think he's left-footed, good with set-pieces, um, and he knows the league and the, and the game in Scotland very well. I don't think it's a big risk at a million and a half pound, to, to or maybe even two, two and a half if it is that. I don't think it's a massive risk. I think you would certainly 
get something back from him. Um, but I just I would like it if he could play a bit further forward and, and maybe support Eddie a bit more than than he currently gets uh, for, for the midfielders that play in there. Yeah, I agree. Christopher Ayer, uh, that rumour about AC Milan just won't go away, just will it? Go it, away, no. it? It kicked off again this morning. Um, anything um, you want to add to that conversation? If they were watching the PSG game tonight, then I don't know if that rumour will still be there tomorrow. So. Well, let's not do that because you're, you're, uh, you're being negative. It's called a segue, mate. It's called a segue. I segue at the end of the show. Nice. <laughs> um, one up. final. One final piece of news, um, which is that friend of the show, uh, Ki Sung Young, <laughs> uh, <laughs> has decided to. I'm going to be honest, Rob. I kind of view this as semi-retirement. Um, he's he's taken up his old number and his old uh, mantle at FC Seoul, where he joined. Uh, who he has joined on a free transfer, having left Mallorca last week. Um, now, if, there was a no risk. Free transfer if ever I saw one. 31 years old he is. Um, now, again, I've, for those of you who don't know and have never shared a sentence with me, because uh, I do speak it quite a lot, I speak about it quite a lot. I've lived in South Korea and I've watched a lot of Korean football. And uh, whilst it's a great place to watch football and enjoyable, it, the quality is pretty poor. And they're effectively getting a you know Premier League football player um, for, for next to nothing um, to go and play in South Korea Celtic if Celtic didn't make inquiries about that I would I would have been really Worried. surprised it could be a personal mm-hmm. choice you know I know his wife's okay. got a, an acting career and um, you know modelling career and he's got young kids and that he could have maybe just made the choice to go back to it and by the way there's worse places to play football you know it's a, it's a good league um, in terms of infrastructure and FC Seoul certainly is a cracking big stadium and good fan base so I, I was just surprised to see that I, I found it today on his Instagram and all the other places I thought he could have went to Back to Korea would probably have been up there, up there in the last of them. So, aye, fair enough. He probably just was got a bit tired of getting changed in the way and the Tony Macaroni and Dens Park and whatever else. So, I think I gave him a text and congratulate him. Aye, definitely. Tell him I said hello as well. Eh? Will do. Um, so, aye, talking points for the friendlies. Um, we've got three friendlies to discuss. Aye. I guess we should just walk through these in order then. Eh? Aye, why not? So, uh, kick off with Nice, um, which was on Thursday last week, is that right? That's, yes, because I was at football training, yep. 6pm kick off on Thursday, so did you know see much of the game last Thursday? No, I saw, what is that, I saw 50 minutes, 55 minutes, there thereabouts. Okay, um, well. I, I saw enough. started with the full, what you would believe would be the sort of full strength team. Right. Um, which for the record was being in goals we are back for a Ayer, Frimpong, Julianne and Greg Taylor um, and then he kind of played the sitting two in midfield with Brown and uh, McGregor and uh, Usuals and behind Edward, Forrest, Christie and El Unice. Um They came out really strong um, I'll tell you this because obviously you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't know um, But in the second half? Sorry, no, you, you would know I was just, you just right. said that you stayed to the 55th uh, No, did I you see we it? did well they started where they kind of pinned. Comfortable. Um, we had them back. back. I had against the ropes for a bit. Good having the two fullbacks pressing on so much, but um, I thought the big knee centre forward Dolberg was looked really good. And Aye. after about fifteen or twenty minutes, they kind of started to take control of the game a wee bit, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Aye. I think maybe the that lad Dolberg was just using that bit of time to press himself against either I or, or Julian and figuring out who he could get the run on. And mm-hmm. for the goal, he did manage. He turned big Julian inside out, didn't he? He certainly did die. Um, he signed for them last year from Ajax. He's only 22. Um, so he, he, somebody to keep an eye on, definitely. And mm. so really, really impressive. Led the line really well. And even into the, I think he, he came off um, about the 60 minute mark when they made all their subs. But I was really impressed by him. I thought when he came into the game, he really came into the game. Yeah. And, and sort of part of the centre halves a bit a wee bit. Um, one of the things for me that was, that was quite interesting about this game. Um, they were one nil. They were one nil up until about the sixty minute mark. And, and to be honest with you, Taylor was playing well. You know, the, the, the first team squad looked quite comfortable, and then of course the sixty minute mark, um, the wholesale changes kind of kick off. I'm kind of viewing these games as you know one to sixty, and then sixty to ninety. You know, they're, they're effectively well not tonight, but the the previous two games were just minutes under players' uh, yeah. belts. Um, to 
to kind of play Nice away and then kind of keep it at 1-0 to the 60th minute. I don't think it was a worst thing, and especially in a pre-season friendly. Um, it was all right, you know, it was just... It wasn't entertaining, but it was just it was what it was. And then, of course, 60 minutes, the entire team changes. Um, Polish Paddy comes on. Works hard. Um, but really, for me, that was just about getting an opportunity to see Sorrow and Klamala play, really, for the first time since they joined us uh, in January. Um, I've got to say that Klamala did play well. He, he worked hard. He really put the heat down and, and just chased lost causes. And... Ultimately, as you'll have seen the goal, he, he was rewarded Aye, with that. Um, chased in the goalkeeper, took the deflection, uh, well, took the ball off him, took it round him and, and, and scored. Uh, what did you think of that goal? You're right. That's, he showed great endeavour, if you like, to get to it. Because um, it, was, it was a lost cause and you're fully expecting the goal. He's 100% in control in that situation. So he's, you're never expecting to get it. But, I mean, if you don't press, you don't make, you don't force these mistakes. So... Definitely, I I think from what Lennon was talking about as well, that's more like the type of game that he's used to. These balls in behind and kind of chasing lost causes and stuff, and trying to be a bit of a nuisance. Um, so I it was good. Uh, I thought he thought he looked sharp. I watched some of the highlights after as well, and from the reactions on Twitter and some of the other group chats with the boys, they had nothing but praise for him. Ah, he looked good and controversial. Controversial point to make here, right? But I'm, I'm going to make it. Um, Patrick Clamalla should model some aspects of his game on what Morelos does for Rangers. He should make Just himself an absolute nuisance. Should he start on people? You know, as long as he, he doesn't model his diet on Morelos, and we'll be fine. No. I think. But see, in terms of the physicality, grabbing guys, you know, sort of just getting close yeah, and being a, a nuisance, a, man, a, a nuisance to play against all round. Um, there's worse players to sort of look at and go, that's a good example of how to do that. And, you know, I'm sure the vast majority, I was going to say love him or hate him, but I'm sure the vast majority of people that listen to us um, have got a strong opinion of the guy. And he is a bit of a pest, but you can't doubt his qualities as a as a hold-up man and a goal scorer. And yep. Klamala, if he was clever, would look at that and go, there's things like that that I can, I can borrow and use. Um, you have missed it, Rab, but one of the things that was really interesting about that second half as well was when Sorrow and Klamala came on, eh, because there was no fans in the crowd, you could really clearly hear uh, Lenny coaching. And at one point in the second half, he he was offering so much advice to a particular player that he started to sound like the Proclaimers. <laughs> sorrow, oh, sorrow. There you go, my man. Aye. You take that one. That's all yours. I'm Written on Thursday night. On the book. Saved in the notes. Uh, he did indeed. He was offering sorrow loads of. Uh, feedback, encouragement uh, and criticism. He was constantly shouting at him. Um, wherever he was further back and he wanted to be press, uh, he was sort of he was sort of pushing him to do so. Um, the game finished one each, as we mentioned, with Polish Paddy getting the equaliser. Um, good work out for them. So say, good opportunity to see Sorrow and Kamala play. But aside for that, I don't really think I've got much else to, to know. Anything else you want to touch on for that one? Um, did we ever work out what the goal was chopped off for? I believe it was Christy fouled the defender. Right. So the guy, if you look at it, the guy's passing the ball back towards the goalkeeper, but Christy comes in with a bit of a lunging tackle. Right. And I don't mind that guy. Uh, what's his name? Is it Stephen? No, Michael Thompson, isn't it? Aye. No, Stuart. Michael Stewart. Michael Stewart. Aye. I don't I mind him. He's all right, but he's, he's, he's a bit stubborn when he gets something wrong. And he was kind of getting off his head watching that in the replay, and it oh, looked to me really know. clear. Looks really clear to me that it was just a foul by Christie and the build up to it, and that's what they've they've called it for. Um, obviously, they're not getting information from the French broadcasting um, team who, who you know are showing the replays. But I always find was... that weird, really odd that the they show the commentators that are sitting in the stand don't just get you know what the public get on their on their telly because the amount of times that they call things and you're like, what are you watching? And then they eventually five minutes later they. Like, either correct themselves or, or it's uh, I they, they see it then it's just I also find that odd that's really weird well I um, should we move on to the, the Leon game aye well can I just say just to finish uh, sorry I meant to meant to note when we came off a pod last Thursday I was buzzing about this nice game um, I was absolutely like <laughs> couldn't wait I lasted about 17 minutes and I was just <laughs> <laughs> and I had my phone out 
Um, that's no slight to Celtic or no slight to, to anything else, but pre-season games have never felt as important as they do this season. Uh, and it turns out that they absolutely only um, as important as any uh, any they absolutely only any more important than any other season. Um, certainly to the players, it was played at a pretty Aye. comfortable pace. It was there was nothing much to write home about. And um, after fifteen minutes, I remembered why <laughs> these games Aye. these games don't really matter all, uh, all much at all. Injury prevention mode, isn't it? It's... Exactly. Um, but again, it was better than nothing. So I we go for the the Tom, Leon game Leon. then. Yeah. Did you see the full Leon game? I did. How did you find it? It, it was really hard to judge because obviously it's our reserves against their first team for the first mm-hmm. hour. And then, you know, we do well and we get the goal back. We looked really good in the last half hour and we had our, our first 11 on. But again, they'd made their changes as well. So it was just, you couldn't really judge what was going on, to be honest. But I thought um, in Cham with a good game, I thought Sorrow also did, did well. Um, McGregor, no McGregor, uh, no McGregor, sorry, Forrest and Ellen Yusey as well. They looked sharp. Um, aye, but again, it's really hard. Like, Beaton and Welsh playing centre back together, they're not going to play together again this season, probably. Probably not. <laughs> so massive injuries. Yeah, subject. so I don't know. It was, it's a hard one to take. It was just more of a spectacle. I get to see Musa back and all that. And, um, aye, and just I was getting more more uh, game time and getting minutes in the legs. Well, you mentioned uh, Musa there, he scored a header after three minutes. I think it was a good header. Um, and then Memphis Depay scored Memphis Depay, uh, made it 2-0 in the 40th minute. Um, for those that didn't see it, the Celtic line-up that night was Scott Bain in goals. We had, um, Hatem Abdel Hamed at right back, as you mentioned, it was Welsh and beat on at centre half with Ball and Golly at left back. Midfield was a bit of a smorgasbord uh, of, of players. We had uh, Sorrow and Robertson kind of sitting. Uh, we had Cham, Ewan Henderson, and I'm totally lost now. And then I basically we had Clamala up front. Um, Scott Robertson, sorry, I should say. Um, Karamoko was playing as well. That's a man that was missing, Karamoko Dembele. Um, it was a bit of a weird team. Um, I think what it did show for me is that we've probably not got as much strength and depth as I thought we would. Uh, we did not um, for that level anyway. But but that's a whole second. Well, uh, it's a whole second eleven, and we've addressed the the, pro, the point that we need a goalkeeper and at least two centre backs. So I don't think there's that much to worry about in a winger. But we've got. Aye, but when you're taking. You take a left midfielder out of the team, you take a right midfielder out of the team, who replaces either one of them? Who replaces Forrest or El Unice? Well, that's what I'm saying, we need a winger. <laughs> we need, well, but we need more than one winger then. Do you know what I mean? Like The, the point is, you're right, that back four, you could argue, certainly Hatem Abdelhamed, he's probably going to be rotating that, that right back position with Frimpong over the course of the season. Um, he's a tremendous player. Mm-hmm. Um, Ball and Golly will, will come to maybe a bit later on. Um, but apart from that, you're looking at Karamoko Dembele at right midfield and Ewan Henderson at left midfield. That's really short. Mikey Johnson you know is I mean? injured as well, remember? Mikey Johnson is injured, but even at that, you know, you're relying on a young guy who, would, you know, to be fair to him, has had a, a few injuries over the past couple of seasons to really be the one winger that can play left mid and right mid and, and you know, reserve. So I think we need another couple of wingers. Uh, but if you look at yeah, and as well, I mean, if Rogic is going to come back and be fit, then Brian Christie can play out wide as well in dire straits, you know, if we really pushed it. It's not really the end of the world. I wouldn't, you wouldn't want him there, it's no ideal, but he can play there, especially against bottom half of the pretty Scottish Premier League teams. That's He could do that any baller. But aye, we still need bodies, That's I think we know that. Well, just to touch on something else as, as well that I kind of noticed and um, I think this straddles both games, but I'll touch on one of them uh, for the Leon game. Uh, Bowling goalie was was really really poor. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, on Saturday, and I thought there was one instant instant in particular for the second goal. Uh, I think it was the second goal where there was a long ball played out to the right midfielder, and he went out and made a massive lunge at it. Aye. Missed it completely. Not only did then he leave the right back sort of free to play the cross in. I think it must have been the the, the, set, yeah, the first goal. 
no then did he leave the right back free to kind of charge forward and make the, the cross. But he was just so far out the play that he couldn't even get back into sort of you know support with a second ball potentially coming out in the box. Uh, he, he he's just no filled me with confidence since he signed and. It's kind of becoming increasingly alarming for me that we're going to go into the season with him as their second choice left back. I agree, totally agree. We've covered it before. I'm, I'm not comfortable either with it. And he's just not, he had a, that kind of spell of five or six games where he, he did start, he did play really well and he had confidence. And then he, I think he got injured and he has just not come back from it at all. Like he's just looked really poor and off the pace and just a bit kind of, uh, I don't know how to describe it, man. He's just heedless chicken at times, which is worrying. Well, what about Sorrell? How did you think he did? I think he did well. Um, it's a hard position to come into for him. Um, that's That holding midfield role is difficult at the best of times, and especially playing with a weakened side round about him where he's not really got one Cham next to him, slightly ahead of him, that's a first-team regular and who you could probably rely on to pull his weight a wee bit against a quality side like Leon. But um, apart from absolutely wiping Musa clean out, um, I don't think he did much wrong, to be honest. He was industrious, relatively tidy on the ball. He used it well. Um, and hopefully he is kind of... He looks like he could be one of those... Makalele or um, Kante type players where he is just you know that wee body in front of the back four that just shuffles and cuts things out so fingers crossed he, um, he can give Scott Brown a rest for a bit this year <laughs> but that's it you know I, I think I think Lenny himself would probably admit that he's no the finished article yet but it certainly looked to me for that game as if he's a guy who, who could play some minutes for us this season and it's certainly in those home games potentially we've got a wee bit more time on the ball um, or if we're two or three nil up at home by half time, should really be looking to try and get him out there, as you say, for uh, potentially Brown to game a bit of yeah, a, a breather as the season goes on. But yeah. we've never been big on squad rotation, and Lenny's never been big in squad rotation either. Um, so I'd be curious to see how he, how he, how he kind of uses him in the course of this season. Yep, fingers crossed. And we'll move on to the game for the night then, eh? Uh, yep. Uh, go for it. What was your overall thoughts? Uh, we, should, we should clarify it did finish 4 0, didn't it? Uh, it finished 4 0. Um, it's disappointing to concede so early again. 52 seconds. <laughs> like, and it was, I don't know, do you think Beaton could have done better with that? Because I, do. I don't think anybody was doing anything with that. I think, he, I don't know. It was, I mean, it was just what a pass. It was, it was some ball, like, but I still reckon that. Beat on, it went the wrong side of Beaton, if you know what I mean. But if you kind of watch him, it, 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 when he makes, when he gets the ball in midfield, who was it that made the pass? Neymar. Was it Di Maria? No, Neymar. It was Neymar. When he gets the ball in midfield, he sees him make the run out of Beaton's, well, that being Beaton's left shoulder as he's turning towards him facing the goal. Beaton would never have expected that because there's about three or four yards between Beaton and the man over his left shoulder. He's never expected him to be able to wrap that ball, <laughs> run him. For that angle, you know, with that pace, it's, it's just, you can't it see just, that coming. It went so close to him, I can't help but think that if he had maybe had flung a toe, he might have got something on it. He thinks Bain could have been off his line a bit faster? Probably. But I think, I, think that was, I think that's one of the things about Scott Bain, that one of his weaknesses, he doesn't come off his line very quick. He's, he's, he definitely does, and I think that's an absolutely essential requirement if you're going to play what was effectively a back five. But we also played a back five quite high up, didn't we? Uh, well, the, the two the two wing backs were high up. High. They were, they were the first half, five, ten yards further up. In the first half, though, that, that even when PSG had the ball, you could see the defence were making an attempt to sort of sit out a wee bit. Mm-hmm. They weren't really sitting as deep as maybe other Celtic teams have done in the past when they've went to, um, to Paris, <coughs> Brendan Rodgers. Um, so mm-hmm. it's kind of like one of these situations where you need your goalkeeper to be ready to spring off his line at the drop of a hat. But I think what it does, what it does um, sort of show you is that Lennon is so much more pragmatic than, than Rogers was. I mean, I'm no, I'm not just using this sort of stick to beat Rogers with. Um, know that I need one, but I was quite impressed with the fact that he used this as an opportunity to learn about his team. He trapped Brown. He, you know, he, he sort of put a team out there that 
was going to athletically, you know, almost be able to match a lot of the, the PSG players. Although some of them, you know, you won't be able to. Miles off it. <laughs> um, but he, but he kind of he, he had a go, and he had a go in a way that we might have actually been in a chance way. He had a goal. But I mean, he, he put a team out there that was camped up and set up to defend. Whereas, you know, Rogers went there a couple of years ago in the Champions League and basically thought we're going to have a goal at them, you know what I mean? Um, so I don't think that was the. I thought it was interesting that he used this clearly the night as an opportunity to learn about his team um, and, and maybe away from home in Europe. That's a formation we'll see going forward, you know? Aye, that's what I looked at that as. I thought this is uh, a dry, dry, um, a dress rehearsal. For the the European champion, the UEFA qualifiers that we've got coming up, basically the one leg, the one leg ties that are, we're going to have to just either try and get a goal and just keep it tight, or be aware that we're going to be able to absolutely batter teams. And I think that formation gives us the opportunity to do that without too much tinkering. It's just the personnel really that's the the next headache. So that was my next question there. It would obviously having seen that three five two that we started with the night, um, what changes would you make if if, if you were in and having watched that? What would you what would you do differently? Um, I don't know if El Hamed might be a better option than Beaton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Took a wee knock on Saturday though, didn't he? I think he was maybe just not risking him. Yeah, I think you're right. I think any other occasion, I think he might have played in there. In the other time, but I, I, I don't know. But Beaton now seems to be this converted centre back or converted centre mid to centre back anyway. So I thought he played really well. Me too. Actually. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I thought he recovered really well because you could have. I mean, if it was me that was getting absolutely rinsed with the first pass inside me, I'd just be like, ah, right, get me out of here. But it's uh, he did. I thought you're right. I thought he did well. Other than other than that, um, and I Brown has to come in, but. I, I thought Chris had a poor game and I can't tell if it's because he's is playing out wide and if Forrest would be a better well, I know Forrest would be a better option out wide, but it's I think Christie was in the other night for legs. But other than I think that right. <laughs> I don't I think I think Christie, if you look at his game in Scotland, his game in Scotland is, is and this is need to take away from the guys a player because I think he is a terrific player. But I think his game in Scotland is about him being bigger and stronger and having legs and having tremendous technique, you know, and the ability to turn on a, on a sixpence and, and move away from the play. Um, whereas in Europe, every guy that he's playing against is matching him physically. Aye. And I think it means that he's more reliant on his technical ability and, and therefore finds himself running into cul-de-sacs quite often, which I noticed in the 80s. Quite often in the ball and he kind of just gets the heat down and has to beat the man and then he's kind of, you know, get the heat down, getting the ball back before inevitably the next challenge comes in. It's a different type of game for him and I think it's harder. Obviously it's harder, but I think it's harder for him in particular. I think you're right. I think if you were to ask me which player would come out of that team tonight, I think it would probably be Christopher Brown, Wayne Cham, you know, playing that role a wee bit further forward. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did note that Christie did sort of start a wee bit further out right and I would, I would argue that Cham actually probably could play there as well. He did so against Zenit at home um, a couple of years ago, if you remember. Yep. Um, and, and I think that if you were to play Cham in that sort of right side of midfield, but with Frimpong playing really at right mid, uh, he would be comfortable there. And I think that's that's the shout, mate. I like Christie, but I think in Europe, sometimes he gets caught short a wee bit. Um, and that's it. not to say he won't have a good European performance and he will be a big player for us in the qualifiers, but I think tonight showed showed his limitations a wee bit. I think, you, I think you're right. I think it depends on... He relies on his physicality a lot. Um, he's maybe not the cleverest of players, and he gets away with a lot because he is physically so good. Um, he's got the stamina to get about the pitch, and he is quick over 10, 15 yards. But if he's, I mean, he's probably sharper than 75, 80% of the players in the Scottish Premier League, but that drops dramatically when we play in Europe. I don't think, I mean, other than maybe Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, I don't know. He probably the rest of them would be just as quick over, just as quick over fifteen twenty yards as he is. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I think as well that he, that shows up a wee bit when he plays Rangers. Um, yeah. He's not really had a great game against Rangers either, and that's because I think physically, man for man, Rangers are the only team in the league that could matches, and 
he struggles a bit on that front. We did nearly witness a all-time moment of the night. Oh, are you going to talk about Ollie and Cham thinking he was Paul Scholes? I've literally got my notes, Cham Scholesy. Ah, um, yes, I am. Uh, that was very close to, oh, be, to being an absolute doozer. There was Christy that set him up for that, I think, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, call it. Um, Ollie Cham standing at the D, leans back and just unleashes a, a shot that I think took a deflection, um, but I didn't really see the replay. It was going high anyway. It was always a, a hard one to get in target, but if that would have went in, Oof, I'd have been outside Aye. on my doorstep clapping my neighbours every every Thursday to the end of the season. Um, that was uh, unbelievable, wasn't it? Ah, he was unlucky with that. Um, aye. Up until you so that was running about the 15-20 minute mark. I thought we looked really good. Like After, we, we, after we absolutely crumbled in the first minute, we get the ball back almost immediately and we kept it. Really, really well. And um, I think that was largely the, that was kind of the theme for most uh-huh. of the first half, wasn't it? Celtic were quite yep. dominant possession. One thing did stick out like a sore thumb to me though, uh, and I've got it in my notes here, that Greg Taylor gave away possession four times in the first 15 minutes. Um, and it felt to me as if everything that we did broke down at Taylor. Yep. Um, I was... now, I'm not sure if that's just because he's no used to playing that far forward. That when he gets the ball in space or when he gets the ball one on one, that maybe he's a bit less um, comfortable taking a guy on or, or maybe making space for the pass. But honestly, Rab, there was two or three times, especially in the first fifteen minutes, where one of them where he, where Marquinhos tried to back heel the ball off him to go out of play, and he was basically free to run towards the goal and lay somebody in, and he made a terrible pass back towards the penalty box. It was just easily intercepted and cleared by a PSG defender and. And this right, was a theme that kept occurring. That was either, it was either right before or right after that, where he had the ball in literally the exact same position, and he's just tried to like batter it right across the face of goal, and Elnusi standing with five yards of space round about him, and he waiting for the cutback. So he's done the the wrong thing on both occasions within seconds almost there. But I mean, it's a bit of a mixed bag for Taylor because um, in my notes here I've got Taylor doing everything except providing a final ball because the amount of ground he covered must have been phenomenal the night. I, I do admit he was up and down the whole time and he never gave him to any piece but it was just that final ball was really disappointing. I don't know if it's just a bad night um, and I guess you can kind of give him a benefit of the doubt and if he plays like that over the course of the season against lesser opposition again he'll, he'll be absolutely fine You know, if he's playing like that against Hamilton at home then he's going to set up three goals you know what I mean he, he, he was exactly right he worked his socks off uh, and you couldn't argue that he was rinsed at any point or made to look daft at any point and there's a few occasions where you could see him turning around and giving it to other players for no you know doing their defensive duties and I think that's just part of this new formation you could see the, I think you'll know the exact moment I'm talking about when Eunice tried to hand over the striker to oh, Ayer and Ayer never moved out um, and Aye, maybe that's because you could hear uh... Taylor shouting him, like even though there was fans in the stadium, he, he gave him pelters. But that's you know, I think not to be too harsh on I, and I think that's probably more just born with the fact it's a new formation and El Unice's maybe no being as clear as he needs to be in that circumstance to let I know. But either way, if Taylor's you know stood around, turned around and just and caught him tilt, yeah, which is good to see because he's only been here for a year. So you know the fact that he feels comfortable enough to to be able to dish it a wee bit is, is a good sign. Um, but that being said, I thought he was his distribution was awful. Um, and that continued, unfortunately, on onto the second half, and um, and it's frustrating because when Bolly came on, Bolly just looked so much more comfortable on the ball. Um, he looked so much slicker in possession, and even defensively, a few times he made some really good, uh, some really good clearances, some really kind of cool cam passes inside the box. There's a left back there between the two of them, isn't there? I know they've got um, their two sides to the left left back coin. <laughs> Unfortunately, we only pick one every week, so. Somebody's well, I can tell you, somebody who isn't um, <laughs> blighted with poor distribution or really apparently poor anything is uh, Jeremy Frimpong. Aye, we man played well yet again. Um, he was basically Greg Taylor, but with a decent final ball. And Nafir apparently of taking that guy on. Um, the was it Belgian uh, left back Be- Becker? Becker, Becker. Aye. He looked all right, physical big lad, relatively quick, but it didn't stop Fring Pong for just going to see you later, mate, hitting the byline and getting a couple of balls in, winning a couple of corners. I was impressed by 
by him yet again. Yeah, I was as well, man. He just you could tell he kind of quite quickly had no respect for that guy. Aye, he, um, the one in particular where he just for a standing start, he sort of kicked the ball with his left foot and did like a step over and then just ran away from him Aye, as if you know. I think he kind of caught the guy in his heels. Now, um, I was really impressed by him, and I, I just you know it's kind of at one point in the first half I'm looking at it going, they don't play too well, mate, because mm. we don't want a bid coming in at some point in the next few weeks. I mean, I'm Definitely. sure. PSG and maybe other players are looking at it, but man, he looked he looked really good, and he just continues to, um, he continues to sort of impress, and I just hope the club maybe deal him in soon. You know, uh, I don't think, think he played very well against Nice, but he said a good game tonight, so I'm glad it was just. I mean, blowing the cobwebs off a wee bit after so long, we know playing a competitive game. So, yeah. aye, he gets pass marks for me despite the score. Um, somebody who didn't get pass marks for you was Neymar. Mate, don't start. This is a family-friendly show, remember? Neymar, in the space of 45 minutes, managed to stand in front of the referee for over 60 seconds, arguing a free kick that he gave away against Edward, kicked two players on separate occasions, and uh, kicked the ball away when he went out for a shy in the corner that he never got. So, you know, earlier on, when I was talking about Kamala learning from Morelos, Maybe uh, Neymar's been watching a wee bit of Freddie, uh, Freddie Moore the past couple of months, uh, you know, during these, during these lockdown when he's sitting in his wee sister. Uh, um, maybe that's what he's been up to, because yet again, he's just... He's just he's insufferable, just... isn't he? Like, there's no need. Absolutely, he's, he's done his way this absolutely frightening pass for Mbappe, and then he's scored his relatively lucky goal. But other than that, I mean, he's fit, well, he did play well, like... He's a, some player, and you could tell that he was having Christie. He, he wanted he wanted to take Christie so a wee bit because he, he rinsed him a couple of times after they had a wee coming together. Um, but I mean, I don't really want to talk about how much I hate him because I will go off tangent, and this isn't the, the time or the place for it. But I was glad to see the back him at half time, put it that way. I've kind of gone full circle with Neymar, like, like you know, like Muay Thai fighter, Rob. Muay Thai fighters like kick banana trees to condition their knees or their shins and they just don't feel pain anymore. Aye. That's what I'm up with a guy. Like, I hate him that much. But I've gone full circle now. I just don't feel anything for him. Um, if, if you ask me my top like my top three most hated people in the world, it would be Neymar, Jim Murphy and Jimmy Bell. <laughs> and not necessarily even in that order. I just... And the, the, really, the really good thing for me, mate, the really sort of... The, the thing that made me feel better about it is that everybody hates him. Aye. Like, nobody likes Neymar. Like, I think some PSG fans will like him, but maybe some of the Brazilians will like him, but nobody likes him. Like, he's totally... Sister like <laughs> his sister likes him a lot, but nobody <laughs> likes him. And and it's it's one of the things where you can be the best player in the world, but if, if you're going to behave like that every time you go on a football pitch, people are just going to get tired of you. And that's kind of what I'm aware of. I'm just a wee bit like... Thank God, I mean, hopefully I don't need to see him again for another Aye. couple of years, you know what I mean? I think that's to, to be fair, if I can just make a, a quick final point on Neymar, um, I've got the stat here. Um, seven games, eight goals, nine assists against Celtic. So it's no wonder we, we hate him. I hate the bad. It's just, I, I think I just, I, my hatred for him was reignited because I've not watched that him in so long or any probably football at that way a player was having such disrespect towards my team so the fact that it was Neymar didn't help but I am lucky we don't need to play against him every week and I'm glad that I won't need to watch him for another what good while anyway hopefully certainly won't until we get him in the group stages man here we go until we get him in the group stages which is definitely going to happen Um, so there was a bit of sort of something flashed up we spoke about the goalkeeping issue earlier on um, but something that maybe we'll bring that up in the discussions of the next few days was PSG's third goal, um, which Scott Bain sort of scooped into his own net in sort of David De Gea fashion. Um, just a quick one on that, Rob. Do you think that Taylor was in his way there? Uh, so I've got to confess, my stream died and I've not seen it. All right. I couldn't get a okay. replay anywhere on time. Well, it's not as if you present a, a podcast about Celtic and that, when your, your view would be, be looked for at some point. Well, um, so I mean, when we broadcast <laughs> literally immediately after the game, then I can't really take my eyes off the rest of the game, can I? I can't be missing too much else. Well, to fill you in, the ball, kinda, the ball falls to Herrera on the outside of the box, um, and he takes a, a good, low, hard shot with it. Definitely savable. 
Taylor goes out and sort of makes a gesture of locking tag, tag, uh, tackle towards it, and then doing so puts himself in front of Bain, who then doesn't see the ball um, until until very very late. Um, not well. I don't know if it's fair to blame Bain for it. I don't know if you can blame Bain for it. Um, I, I don't know. You have a look at it and tell me what you think. Okay, I don't know. Maybe... Actually, I've got it right now. Right, so I cut back. Heedles missed. Fluffed. Oh, I saw that late. Very late, in, isn't it? In real time that I'm seeing that, he saw that late. Okay, I think, well, that clears that up. I th- oh, there's no replay on this. But I... Uh, at full speed, it looks as though um, it looks as though Greg Taylor standing right in front of him. It does. I agree. Um, Aye. Okay. Well, a couple more points if you don't mind me making them uh, on this game, and then we'll move on and, and finish up our roundup of the week. Uh, one of them um, is quite often in this game. I noticed that. Defensive clearances were putting us into compromising positions, and I think it's because I don't think we're a team that's just clearing the clearing the lines. I think we're a team that's trying to play out from the back. And the number of times, so for example, uh, their fourth goal, which was an absolute cracker, um, you know, you can't you can't moan really about the quality of the goal. Sarabia with a volley and across the face of being after a ball that you know it was just incredible. Um. But it came through Frimpong trying to chest the ball down and run out from from yeah. the, the, the you know yeah, the, the that's what I've got in my box. notes. I think oh, yeah. we're in a kind of catch twenty two sometimes. Uh, I think that we don't really clear our lines well, but we don't really pass the ball out for the back well. And I think we're sitting somewhere in between a team that's good with defensive clearances and a team uh, sorry that's good for passing the back and a team that really probably should be clearing our lines a wee bit more than we do. Yeah, and I think that. It's, it's brave of them. Lenny's probably right to encourage them to make efforts to pass out for the back and maintain possession, but just clear your lines in it. Really, it's no hard, is it? Aye, I think that's got to be uh, that's got to be driven home a wee bit more if you're going to be playing teams of Barcelona and PSG's quality in the Champions League, and if you're going to have this pragmatic approach where you need to make the most of your set pieces, you need to hit teams on the counter, you know that you're gonna be really, you're gonna to have to be really disciplined for long periods of the game in terms of your shape. And uh, you need to just batter it away sometimes, like and just take your thirty second breather whilst they come back at you. Um you know and then when you play uh, Hamilton, St Mirren's, whoever else and at home in the league or even away in the league, then that's when you play it for the back because you're the big fish. So I think I I get what you mean, but it's hard because we obviously want to be seen to be playing out for the back. We want to do it as better. It's better on the eye. We'll get out the park better, and I it's just a better brand of Celtic football we have rather than just lumping it up and getting somebody on the end of it. But sometimes you need to know, man, when it's when to do it and when not to. Well, I can tell you when they say Mr. Day, and that's uh, when Samaras is playing. <laughs> um, but Samaras wasn't playing tonight, and I think Big Eddie showed us tonight that he's probably not going to be the man to do that job away from home in Europe. Um, if we're going to go and do a 3-6-1, three, three, basically, which is what that was. Um, he, he didn't really do much for him. Didn't he, know he wasn't really involved in the play, and he did look good when he got the ball at his feet, and certainly against lesser opposition, he might be able to take the ball and run at the two centre-halves and and make something happen, but I think oh, you need that oh, willing know, runner. Man. I think I right, the only the only criticism of Eddie's game that I would have tonight is that he didn't he didn't move into the channel to look for the clearance. He just he, he just let Marquinhos and Thiago Silva just stand on him in the middle of the park. And even if you get them one on one, one of the two of them, it's still gonna be he's still gonna do well to get get anything off a pair of them. But he just yep. he let the two of them Really, two of them take care of him the night quite easily. I thought, but I uh, should have been in the channel more because that's, I mean, that's where your clearances are going for the most part. Batter them up the wings, and um, I, a guy like Samaras would be that's just bread and butter for, <laughs> for a player like that. But uh, exactly, what the channels touch the ball inside and, and be either late after the fullback or the centre midfield, and let everybody get out a wee bit. 
Eddie was not Eddie was not doing that. Um, do. But I we're still missing Big Sam. We should see if we can get him back up the road. Aye, aye. Just uh, final up. point, and I guess it's a question. Um, we we kind of shared that a text message and laughed at the quality of PSG's bench before this game started. Um, it looked incredible, and when they came on and played us in the second half, it was it was a really good team. Um, if PSG's B team had a couple of months and played a few games. Would you say they're a better team than Valencia? Um, similar standard, I would say. Anyway, I, I would say that, that that team that came on in the second half would finish quite comfortably in the top five in all of the top five leagues in Europe. I think you're right, aye. And I think the, the only reason I'm asking is I was sort of sitting watching the second half thinking to myself, is there anybody in that team that wouldn't get into your team? And the only player that I can think he would be the big man up front, maybe wouldn't get a game ahead of, ahead of Eddie. Um, I don't know. I was, a, a good player. I was going to say, I was impressed. I thought he was, that's the first I really saw him. I've, I've saw he's like on Reddit, on the soccer, Reddit soccer thread. He's popped up a few times, but actually having a sat down and a, a real watch him in a, in a proper game, I thought he was good, man. Strong, quick. He was unlucky with a couple of shots that he had, but aye, there's there's no much between. I would still want Eddie, obviously, aye. but um, I still have that big man as well, man. Yes, <laughs> I've got to say it was, it was amazing when you see them all coming off the bench in the second half. You aye. see guys like Herrera and Verratti and you know Kozawa coming off the bench. I'm thinking, you know, these guys, as you say, would get a game in any other team in the world, probably okay. apart from one or two. So. Aye, wasn't he? And my concern was if we made all the, the subs in the 60th minute again, you're going to see Luca Connell running about against Verratti. And, and that's no disrespect to Luca Connell, but he's just at a different point in his career just now. But uh, I didn't, uh, I was a wee bit, wee bit concerned about the scoreline potentially going to that, that final uh, third of the game. 100%. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the, the, the three friendlies? Overall, do you think it's a worthwhile exercise? Aye, I mean, unlock, I mean, the, I know not that it's not the whole point, it was for minutes in the legs, and it wasn't for. Um, results, but it's it's nice to get back to winning ways. Would have been, I would have liked to have won one of the two, the two games that we played against Leon and Nice. And this is a Bruce bonus if you get if you could score a couple of goals in this, it would have been a Bruce bonus. But that's the only disappointing side of it. It was good to see the guys back. Um, for the most part, we looked sharp, especially what would be the starting eleven, extending into maybe your first team fifteen that you would. Quite comfortably pick any from any eleven from week to week. Um, I have no, I've no real fears at the moment, other than an injury crisis. I think it was a worthwhile like, exercise. Went to you know the PSG game was was scary. I think we all thought we were going to get eight or nine, and it could have been you know eight or nine based on their previous fixtures. Um, but we came out and you know counted acquitted ourselves well and um, gave a decent account of ourselves and. I don't think it was the end of the world. I think it would have been a good experience for the players. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's it looks to me as if Celtic have took money from PSG to play that fixture. I'd imagine so. It, so looks, I, it's... it looks to me as if they've gave us a fee and, and given us the hotel and use of the facilities and that sort of stuff. Um, and my fear two days ago that it was that effectively we were being uh, brought to a nice, fancy Paris hotel and given a beautiful view and a lovely set of facilities to use so that we could get an absolute Roger in mm-hmm. uh, on, on the Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually worked out no so bad and hopefully it's been a decent experience for the players. Hopefully it's given them a bit in the backside for Europe to get to see what sort of level they would potentially be playing against if yeah. they can qualify for the Champions League this year. Um, so overall, I would argue it's, it's been a decent um, exercise and it's just weird that pre-season this year is only three games, isn't it? Aye, that is odd. Um, can I just say as well that we have talking about we've talked about that PSG um Second eleven, and we've not even mentioned Leandro Paredes or Julian Draxler. <laughs> is it Paredes that, that put that ball through in the first half? That... No, it was the, the Paredes had that touch. Um, he just, he dunked it over in Cham. He just sent in Cham straight for a croissant. So he played against us two years ago with his in it, which is yeah, funny enough the game I mentioned earlier on. Um, he, I, I didn't really notice him that night. I knew he was a good player, and you know, I knew he, he played well, but. He looked incredible. I mean, he looked cigar the whole time, didn't he? Just nobody to get near him, unfortunately. And you'd need to be good to keep Verratti out of that team. 
Um, so you know, I was I was really impressed. Big Kimpembe as well. I thought looked really good. Um, but again, hopefully we won't be seeing these guys in another few years at least. Fingers crossed. Uh, quick trip to Candy Corner. I yes, I that's it. I've covered different. I want. Okay. Um, eight St. Rock supporters this weekend cycled from Fort William to Glasgow. Um, hundred and one miles in two days. Uh, they raised over two thousand pounds. For the, to, to build a memorial garden in St Rock's Park and they support Rock Talk, the club's mental health support group. Um, they done amazing. They, they went up to Fort William and stayed in the. No, sorry, they, they stayed in the TPs in Tindrum on Friday night. Uh, did not get a wink of sleep. Woke up at half five in the morning. Drove up to Fort William, jumped on their bikes and cycled all the way back. Um, they done amazing, man. Like these guys are named cyclists. They don't. Aye. They don't. They were their own borrowed bikes. They borrowed helmets and all that stuff. You know. Um, <laughs> It was a bit haphazard, but they they done a, they done really well with it, and they've, they've raised a fortune. Uh, so I that's, that's that's what's happening at the Rock this weekend. We had round three of the eight ticket this weekend, which we won quite comfortably uh, against Musselburgh, uh, meaning that the semi finals is this weekend, and it's either Bonnie Rig Rose, Whitehawk, or uh, Cumnock. So hi, that's that's really it. There's there's no much going on in terms of signings. Partially because I didn't go up to training on Saturday as I was supposed to, uh, and and help uh, announce some of the new players. Um, but I'll do that when I come back. What, what you were signing there? Um, are you joking me? Um, and then uh, that's really it. Candy, all kind of all quiet really at the candy at the minute, other than the sort of fundraising activities going on around the memorial garden, that sort of stuff. Um, but the boys are amazing. It was a, it was a really good effort, and I, I spent my Sunday up there cooking them pizzas, um, as they trickled back um, down over the course of the. Over the course oh, of the day, you're a good man. I am a good, good man. Good so they, they did. They did good. I I'm gonna I'm gonna text you right now a photograph that pulls Bane out of a hole. I don't know. Will you be able to see it whilst they're on? You should do. Aye. So that Aye, that bot is literally going through Greg Taylor's legs, and Greg Taylor is less than five yards away from. Yeah, Scott Bane. So it looked it looked like that to me at the time. Um, I just hope that it doesn't cause sort of folk to maybe turn against Bane, you know what I mean? He's he's been solid enough for well, You don't want to know what the, the top comment on Reddit is for that goal, the reply. Scott Bane's mince. Uh, well, words a wee bit stronger than a wee bit more industrial language involved than that. It's just it's easy in these situations to dismiss Bane as rubbish mm. when you're want for another goalkeeper. Like so much like keep you don't guy. need to take you don't need to take away from Bain to understand or to agree that there's a need for another goalkeeper. Everybody know. knows we need another goalkeeper. You don't need to denigrate Bain to, to you know, to further create that Aye. need. It's, it's definitely, definitely. It's just keyboard warriors anyway, mate. I wouldn't worry. Okay. Um, yep. Last segment of the day. Bye. My favourite segment of the week. The banter years <laughs> moment of the week. Um, I'm going to day mine in two paragraphs. So Aye, would you like me to start? Or would you Aye, like me charge to on because mine's, mine's is relatively quick. Okay, um, so is mine. To be fair, um, mine's is an article published in the BBC News. I'm just going to read you the first um, few paragraphs uh, from it. Right, it was published on the 29th of July 2013 by Clive Lindsay, um, correspondent for BBC Sport, and the headline is "Rangers can compete for four trophies," says Nicky Law. Two-goal debutant Nicky Law believes Rangers have already shown they can challenge for honours at the top level and not just win the new League One. The Ibrox side won Division 3 last season but faltered in all three cups. But a double that, left, that set up an impressive left, mid, um, left midfielder... What the hell? But a double that set up an impressive left midfielder Law feeling positive. That's an actual That's grammatical error wow, in the BBC five years later. <laughs> we feel we are strong enough this year to compete in all four fronts, not just in this competition in the league. Swipe to the Wikipedia. Away from the league, Rangers did not fare well, <laughs> suffering suffering defeat in the League Cup in the first round by Forth Athletic, a 2016 <laughs> Challenge Cup final loss to Wraith Rovers, and despite a lively committed performance, a Scottish Cup semi-final defeat to Dundee United at Ibrox. It's perfect. Uh, it's it's like the, the same same every year, isn't it? This is going to be your year. This is your year. It's going for 55. Uh, brilliant, right? So I'm going to just take you back to uh, February 2017, Dens Park. Harry, Forrest, <laughs> ha- Harry Forrester 
misses a guilt-edged sitter, which would have tied the game at two each. Instead, they screwed high and wide from six yards out. And our man, Graham Murty, does that backflip slash headstand slash God knows what he was up to. But it's serious, serious meme fuel. And it was amazing. So, aye. Graham Murty's headstand. I don't want to say that I like him, but I do like him a wee bit more than most uh, for that <laughs> neck of the woods because uh, it was such a shame. Um, he was pure. Oh, he was uh, into it, wasn't he? He was into it. And you, could tell, <laughs> you could tell he was under the college. And he's still there. Um, but aye, uh, aye. I don't mean Murty. He's harmless, isn't he? Yeah, he's really? harmless. Yeah, right. Aye. Just like that. Oh, Graham, son. No. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add this week? Uh, no, I've said it before. Just glad that we don't need to play PSG every week. So yeah. back to normal oh. in the next couple of weeks. We are back uh, next week. Um, there's no Celtic game ahead of uh, the start of the league season, which is Hamilton Aki's at home a week on Saturday. Um, I think we might have a wee... Uh, we have a wee chat later on this week about what we're going to do next week's episode. Um, it might be time we have a conversation about transfer window um, in a wee bit more detail. Um, or it might not be because we've already crossed that bridge a few times, but we can figure it out in the next we'll few weeks. Spitball it, mate. Think tank. Think tank. Okay, well, have a good day. All right, enjoy the rest of your evening. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening again, everyone. Cheers. 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 See you later.